This week on Twip Weddings, we're going to weigh in with our thoughts on a recent controversy involving a DJ in Maryland who brought his camera and photographed the majority of the day's events and then went on to post them to Facebook the next day under an umbrella company that also offers photography services for weddings. Was he right? Was he wrong? We'll dig into this and talk about how to establish good relationships with vendors you're working with on the wedding day. And welcome back to another episode of TWIP Weddings. Once again, my name is Bruce Clark, and I am joined, as always, in the co-host chair by Mr. Robert Evans and Mr. Brian Capricci. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Excellent. So this week, uh, we got a, kind of an interesting story this week. We're going to have an interesting discussion. We're going to kind of weigh in uh, with our thoughts on a recent controversy that uh, involved a DJ and a photographer in Maryland. In Maryland uh, and the DJ uh, who showed up with his camera and chose to photograph the majority of the day's events and then went on to post them to Facebook the next day under an umbrella company that also offers photography services for weddings. So it's kind of a, it's a controversial uh, story. <laughs> We thought we'd, uh, you know, kind of weigh in on it and give our thoughts and opinions on what's being dubbed as wedding photo gate. <laughs> but uh, before we get into that, and before we start talking about that, we want to uh, remind you how you can participate in the show. We've got several different ways to interact with us. Uh, first, you can visit the website at thisweekinphoto.com slash weddings. And there you'll find the show notes for each episode, which contain links to everything we mentioned on the show. Uh, you're also welcome to leave your comments and feedback for us in the comments section for each uh, post. If you have a question or a suggestion for a topic for a future episode, you can also email us. Our email address is twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com. Or if you prefer using social media, just add the hashtag twipwed to your post and we'll keep an eye out for your posts. And if you want to interact with us, uh, a couple of other ways. We've, we're on Instagram. Just follow us at twipwed. And we've also got a Facebook group. So we're at uh, facebook.com slash groups slash twipwed and new people are signing up every day. So, uh, you know, jump in and join us there on our Facebook group. So without further ado, those are all the different ways you can get in touch with us. Let's jump into the show and let's uh, let's talk about wedding photo gate. So Brian and Robert, have you guys heard about wedding photo gate? Have you been following this on ongoing saga? I've heard about the drama. Yes. Um, I kind of, uh, as we were chatting quickly before the show, like Brian sort of looked at it a little bit, but I was like, I don't have time for this. You know, I, I get it and, and, um, understand people's plight and I don't, you know, agree with obviously what the DJ did. So I did it, you know, a little bit more reading on it since we were going to talk about it. And, uh, it definitely is like one of those things I think with people with everybody having cameras now and, and, you know, wanting to be photographers and, but, I mean, ethically, it's completely wrong. I mean, I am a photographer, and so of course, I'm going to take a photographer's side. But it seems to me just to be common sense. Like, I wouldn't, you know, again, a harder, I know it's been brought up, but harder for me to show up to a wedding as a photographer with a bunch of DJ equipment and set up in the corner and play my own music. Yeah. You know, um, I wouldn't do it just because I know that that's not right, let alone the inconvenience of it all. Yeah. So Brian, how about you? Had you been following Wedding Photogate? And we're gonna, we'll, for those who aren't familiar with it, we'll talk about what it is. But let's see, Brian, if you'd kind of been following it or yeah. So I mean, I've seen it going around because it's kind of been um, it's been all over the the internet and you know social media and all that. So I've definitely seen it being passed around. Um, I'm surprised about the amount of media that it's gotten. I think just I guess this issue aside, even in general, I think it's really interesting how we're almost in this. Um, the space in business and society now where 
because of what social media can do and what you can, how you can spread the word on social media, it's almost like it, it in a way kind of keeps us accountable, doesn't it? Like, don't you guys find that where it's, you know, something like this, if this were to happen 10 years ago, this would be taken care of perhaps quietly between the photographer, between the DJ, between the couple. And it would just be another little incident between those three parties possibly. But because where we're at with social media and with what we can do with the, the internet, things like this just get spread like wildfire. And I'm still not hundred percent sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because I mean, I think it's good in the sense that it keeps us accountable, but I also think that it's bad in the sense that, and we've seen it before. We've, we've actually talked about a few similar stories mm-hmm. where you've got, uh, you know, bloggers or businesses or whatever that are doing things like this just to get the headlines and just to yep. get the controversy and the conversations going. And you know what they say, uh, you know, any PR is good PR. Um, and so I don't know. I think, I think it's interesting, but the general question, I hadn't really dug deep into it until we decided we were going to talk about it today in which I, I sort of dove into it. And yeah, I mean, obviously lots of discussions to be had, but I think it's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. So for those who maybe weren't following along or hadn't heard of Wedding Photogate or what it was about, um, basically kind of to summarize it, we'll put some links to a couple of articles that that went into a bit more detail um, about it. And again, keep in mind, we're not, you know, we don't have either party, um, you know, on the show to get their side of things. So I think in, in you know, in any of these kinds of uh, things that happen, it's easy to take a side, you know, with one side or the other, obviously as photographers, we're probably going to side with the photographer and, you know, other people might side with the, with the DJ, you know, again, and it's could be a case of he said, she said, right. So we want to put that caveat on this, you know, uh, all these kind of situations, right? Is it's, you know, you want to go to the source. I think if you want the true story, there's always going to be different takes on the story from different sides, but essentially the, the, in a nutshell, what happened was, um, a photographer by the name of uh, Carly Fuller was hired to photograph a wedding and she showed up and the DJ, um, a, a fellow's name's Ken Rochon from a company called Absolute Entertainment. They were both hired to, you know, to do their respective services at a wedding. And uh, the photographer said that it was during the pre-ceremony that she noticed the DJ, you know, holding professional camera equipment. And so she, you know, she, she says, you know, I love cross promotion, but unfortunately no other professional company may take photographs during the event. Um, she says she offered to send her photos to Rochon after the wedding, but the DJ replied he was taking his own photos for marketing and social media purposes. And then, so, you know, Fuller was kind of, you know, she was surprised the next morning to see all of his photos posted, you know, on a Facebook album on the page for a different business that he owns called the umbrella syndicate. And this other company also just happens to offer photography services for weddings. So it was almost as if the DJ was putting himself out there that he was the hired photographer for the event. Um, so the whole thing kind of blew up over social media and, you know, as it does, and like, as, as Brian was saying, it kind of went viral through social media. Um, and suddenly it was in, you know, in the news and, you know, the couple that get the couple involved and the parents of the couple got involved and it all just kind of, it all kind of blew up. Right. And I think we've talked before, you know, we had the episode where we talked about the cover gate. Uh, situation with the photographer and the and the cover and the couple the blogger mm-hmm. that took it to social media and it was just all around bad PR but I thought you know, I thought this would be kind of an interesting story to, to talk about um, you know let's talk about you know the 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 crux of this is do you think the other vendor like the DJ I think you know Robert you already shared your thoughts do you think he had the right to photograph 
say the dance portion or his DJ booth setup or those kinds of things? Do you, do you think he's overstepped his bounds in this situation? Um, I mean, if he wanted to take a couple snapshots, like here's a shot of the first dance, or if, you know, while the dance floor was packed, he wanted to take a shot of showing everybody dancing, you know, I guess he couldn't be behind the counter, but even if he behind his DJ booth, but even if he had somebody back there or somebody else taking the photo, I think those are acceptable. Why not? But to, you know, if he's photographing pre-ceremony stuff, this isn't a new problem. I mean, We've seen this before, you know, it goes back to the Uncle Harry, it goes to, I've seen this before myself, very similar situations at my own weddings, where I have, um, you know, maybe the florist has hired somebody to come in and take photographs of their decor. Um, but I've noted the photographer taking liberties of shooting more than just that. And I actually said something because I knew exactly what the photographer was doing. He's like, I believe it was a girl at the time. She was trying to capture images, you know, to use in her own portfolio. So this guy put the images up on Facebook right away and it became, you know, people became consciously aware quickly. But, you know, there's the thing where people might use it on a on their website or however they use it and you don't ever see it. I mean, the bottom line, in my opinion, it is wrong. If you're a photographer and you think that this is right, then I think personally you need to reevaluate your morals. You don't go to somebody else's wedding and take pictures and use them for your own promotion. Even if a florist has hired you to do that, I don't personally like that either. And uh, I have a clause in my contract, which is why the clause is there is for this particular instance, where I, I added that to my contract. We've talked a lot about that with your contracts and it, your contracts have to grow uh, as situations happen. It can happen to you once, just don't let it happen again. Uh, I mean, I think the bottom line is a few photos to promote, you know, even if the florist is walking around with their own camera, taking a couple pictures of their centerpiece and the bride holding, I'm not going to have a problem with that. But the other lesson to be learned here is why does the florist feel it necessary to do that? Mm -hmm. Because yeah, there we go. Because photographers are idiots. I'm sorry. Like yep. you, you've got to learn to market your business and you can't just be there. Yes. You're there to shoot for the bride and groom, but if you want to gain more business and you want to, there's so many times that the, the, the florist, you know, wants photos and asks the photographer for it and they don't get them. So they have to take matters into their own hands. So, I mean, I think it should be a wake up call to everyone, you know, to, you know, learn from this, you know, in, in an own way to better your own business. It's somebody else's problem. But if you've had these situations in your own, like I take full responsibility in my business for what happens to me. And I'm like, how could I prevent this from happening? This, this is my problem. Like if this were to have happened to me, um, first of all, I would have stopped it because I do have a clause in my contract now. And I would have stopped taking photos and would have put the bride and groom in a situation where I said, either this guy stops shooting or I stop shooting. What do you want? And I know that sounds harsh and I don't want to have controversy on the wedding day, but in a situation like this and they've already signed my contract, I'd have every right to do so. Yeah. Brian, I want to ask you, <laughs> have you encountered this ever at uh, any weddings you've shot? And if so, how did you handle it? How did you deal with it? Okay. So I want to um, really quickly just acknowledge, I totally agree with Robert. And I think that maybe we can get into a discussion perhaps after we discuss the sort of news around this specifically because i really do agree in the sense that i think things like this only come up because it's 
our lack of follow through and lack on delivering on promises as photographers. And I think it's an issue that we need to deal with, but we can talk about the education side of it maybe in a little bit. Um, I think I, I sort of, I actually, in a weird, I have mixed sort of feelings on this whole issue. I think in one sense, the whole idea of us being the only photographer at a wedding, um, it comes, it comes from our past, right? I mean, it's something that we've always, it, we've always enforced that kind of policy for obvious reasons. But I feel like because of the space that we're in now, the perceived simplicity of having a camera and taking a few snaps here and there, we're seeing more and more officiants and florists and decorators and venues that are trying to take some of their own photos just so they have something to share on social media. And again, let's be honest, even if I had a great relationship with the florist from my wedding on Saturday and I promised her that I'd send her pictures and I actually did send her pictures, she still probably wants to throw one up on Facebook right now. Like when she leaves setting up the venue, she wants to go throw something up and be like, oh, I just set up this great venue over here. It looks beautiful. Check out these beautiful flowers, blah, blah, blah. The whole point of social media is that it's instant. It's right there. It's on the fly. People are kind of joining you with your journey as a business. And that's the whole point of social media. And so I think even if we do promise to give them things and we actually fall through on that promise, I still think that they're going to want to take their own photos. That being said, I think that there needs to be a line of when that's acceptable and when that's not acceptable, or at least mm-hmm. to, to what extent. Um, do I agree with the officiant? coming to a wedding ceremony, taking a snap of the, of the ceremony, taking a snap of her, the bride and groom afterwards, and maybe a couple quick photos to share on social media. That's fine. And I think that we have to get over that because I think that's fine. I've seen many DJs that show up and they take a few snaps on their iPhone. Maybe they even have an SLR and they just take a few photos during the dancing just so they can put it on Facebook and be like, Oh, it's such a great party tonight. You know, such and such DJ company. We're really rocking it out. Like, that's great. Do it. That's what social media is all about. That's what marketing is all about. I don't think we can get our backs up against the wall as photographers, as an industry about things like that. I think this particular incident, wedding photo gate, I think they went way too far. Um, but at the same time, I still think there's lots that we can learn from it. And I also think that there's got to be an element of them looking for the PR out of this. And that's why they're not backing down. Um, I'm, I'm open to conversation on that too. But yeah, I think in general, they were wrong. I think any photographer is going to say that. I totally agree. I would present the idea to the DJ industry or to this DJ or whatever. What if I said to my bride and groom, I have a wedding this coming Saturday and they're getting married in a vineyard. What if I said to my bride and groom and said, you know what? You don't need to have a DJ for your ceremony. Just have them come for the reception. It's going to cost you an extra $350 to have them come for your ceremony to lug their their speakers and all that stuff out to the middle of the vineyard. I have some great playlists on my iPhone. I have Spotify. I'm just <laughs> going to bring my iPhone. I've got this great little Bose speaker. It's battery powered. I'm just going to bring it and then I'll just play it for you and you don't have to worry about bringing a DJ. What do you think the DJ would say if they found out that I said that and I did that? Yeah, They'd yeah, probably be, right? They would be just as mad as an industry. They would have like their version of TWIP, you know, this week in DJ, TWID, I guess. I don't know. They would have their version of, <laughs> of us right now in their industry having the same conversation about these damn photographers think they can do slideshows without their licensed music or they think they can bring their own iPhones, blah, blah, blah. It's the same problem. And so I think we need to better define the boundaries in which we operate Um in our industry, but also in, in other industries. I think they need to have better definition of uh, what those boundaries are. 
Yeah. So one of the things, Robert, you mentioned is interesting is, you know, that you've got a clause in your contract. OK. And I think I think probably, Brian, you have something similar, right? Yep. That we are the exclusive photographer of that. OK, so that's great. That's well and good. We have that clause in our contract with our client. How are the other vendors supposed to how is that going to be communicated to the other, you know, to the other vendors? So, Brian, what uh, how would you? Yeah, I, you know, I think the thing is, is that um, situations like this. I've, I've said it many times before when we've talked about contracts, we've talked about issues, we've talked about policies. I still fundamentally believe that contracts are kind of in a way useless for us. Not in the sense that we don't need to have them because we do need to have them. And I would never advise not having a contract. But I would never pull out a contract or a clause in a contract or a stipulation and try and use it as ammunition. Um, I think that relationships and um, having a good style of communication with an, an open, honest um, tone to it is much more effective. So, if this happened to me, which I mean, it actually has happened. I've had, I remember I photographed a wedding um, maybe maybe a month ago, four or five weeks ago. And the DJ actually brought one of their sort of interns who was learning photography and was wanted to take some pictures for the DJ company. And I could so easily go up to the, the DJ who, who I have a relationship with and say, oh, you know what? Like, you can't have your guy here. This is bogus, blah, blah, blah. My contract this and the bride and groom. I'm going to talk with the bride and groom about this. And blah, blah, blah. it's like, what what does that achieve? I guess is my question, right? I mean, A, it, it's a negative situation on a wedding day, which um, I recommend to every photographer to avoid at all costs any kind of negativity on a wedding day for a bride and groom because the experience for them is so important. But B, it now loops the bride and groom into your professional issues and it tarnishes the relationship that I would have had with that DJ company. And so instead of going that harsh, cold contract route, I just sort of casually say, oh, hey, like I see you've you got a photographer. Tell me more about sort of what you're thinking there. And and I kind of treat it as a conversation and the DJ then is going to be like, Oh yeah, you know, he's just an intern and we're just sort of taking a few snaps here and there, blah, blah, blah. I actually helped the photographer. I said, Hey, you want, you want to take some better photos? You're using on camera flash right now. That's going to be garbage. Why don't you try this and use this and bounce it here and do this and blah, blah, blah. He still got crap pictures because he doesn't know what he's doing with photography. I still sent the DJ photos from the wedding that he'll use on his website versus his interns photos. But that's how I would deal it in a more relational way. And I think that we need to stop feeling so threatened as an industry. Um, would I put my camera down and say, I'm not taking any more pictures until this DJ puts his photographer away? I think that's a mistake. And I think that certainly we have every legal right to do that because it is in our contract. But I don't think that that's a way to continue with positive relationships and to give a good experience to our clients. And, and I completely agree with Brian. Like the last thing I want to do is have controversy with my client at a wedding. Um, so, I mean, again, we've talked about this on the show, you know, when we did the setting expectations show. So I'll read the clause. But again, it's something that, you know, you bring up as part of your checklist when you're having a dialogue with your clients before. Um, and, and again, getting into some of the other vendors, if they break out a camera, you know, again, I'm going to take it on a case by case basis, but mm -hmm. here, I'll read it real quick. Of course, it's titled photographer exclusivity in the, is the paragraph. And it says, 
Robert Evans Studios shall be the exclusive provider of photography services at the wedding. There shall be no other novice or professional photographer taking pictures at the wedding, including photographers hired by other vendors, such as party planner, florist, caterer, DJ, etc. Invited guests may take pictures for personal use only, provided they are not using professional camera coin or doing so for profit, and they do not interfere with the photographer's performances of services. This is in the client's best interest. It is understood that if there is such a violation of this clause, the photographer studio uh, will stop taking pictures until the person's or person stops taking the photograph. Client acknowledges, this is just a little, that a photographer requires and retains discretion as how it performs its services and it shall be provided, i.e. choice of poses, lighting, lenses, camera format, backgrounds, location, quantity of exposures, etc. And now in this one paragraph, it's the only other paragraph where I have them sign, I have read and I understand this paragraph. Um, so again, it goes back to educating the client and helping them understand, you know, that you're not a jerk, but you know, you can relate some of these problems. You can say, you know, look, I've had, I'll give you one that I've seen, like, and it's, it's particularly the florist or designer sometimes that will have somebody there taking photos. And again, it goes back to, cause they're not getting good photos from their photographers. So you can do that, but I'll, I'll have the person there. They're not dressed appropriately. They have their camera equipment strewn across the reception floor while they're doing it. Not only are they in my way, but I witnessed one time, um, the mother of the bride who came into the room, like trip over this person's stuff <laughs> and then get mad at me. Mm-hmm. And and I turned around and I was like, I'm really sorry that that happened, but sh- that person is not with me. That That's the florist photographer taking detail photos and I don't allow that as it is. And she's like, oh, I'll put a stop to that right now. <laughs> you know, so the mom, you know, on a tirade goes after that person. But it's those things that we want to, you know, when we're having the conversation before that we want to talk to our clients about and let them know, hey, this is what could happen. This is why we don't do it. Now, in the situation, like, I never would want to enforce this. And and this goes back to, you know, like Brian said, like, back to the Uncle Harry syndrome. And we've always had this problem of somebody showing up to a wedding with a nice camera and taking a bunch of photos, shooting over the photographer's shoulder. You know, it just used to be generally an eager family member. And now it's, you know, almost everyone. Um, But... It's one of those things that you just have to kind of let the clients know why you don't want a bunch of people standing around taking pictures while you're doing group shots because they're going to get photos back of everyone's eyes looking different directions and not at you. So if they understand that before, then they kind of get it. And if it does come up, you know, I'll usually walk up to my couple and say, hey, do you mind if I say something to these people? Because no one's going to be, oh, yeah, yeah, they'll remember that situation. As opposed to if you didn't have that conversation, you kind of look like a jerk. Now, believe me, there's going to be some people that think you're a jerk by telling them to stop taking photos. But that's just the bottom line. And it's how you do it and and how you handle it and how professional you are. You can't just snap at them. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can walk up and kindly ask them. I mean, these are things that we've experienced in the industry for a long, long time. Now, if I had, if I blatantly saw somebody photographing everything I was doing early on and knew it was a DJ, I would definitely put a stop to that. My first approach would, uh, might be to ask them what they're doing or, or talk to the bride and groom or do you know why, you know, the DJ's taking, like, he seems to be photo. Is it okay if I tell him that, you know, we can't do that? I mean, if you guys remember, you know, we signed it in your contract that says I am the only photographer and, and he's basically distracting me and what I'm doing and, 
you know, and, and granted, you know, people are paying me a lot of money to do that. And I don't always experience this, but uh, when it comes up, you know, you have to address it in a professional way. I mean, everyone's going to have different opinions on how to deal with this, but I think first of all, have something in your contract, even make it better than mine and send it to me, you know, elaborate on it. Uh, you know, I always kind of go in and add things as, as these things happen. Um, and, you know, the idea is for ultimately as vendors, what's the common goal? We're, we're there to, to make the bride and groom happy. I mean, we talked about this, uh, Bruce and I, in the last show, like I have goals that I, uh, that I read and I look at every day before my weddings. And one of the goals is a success. You know, this wedding is a success for the bride and groom and, and all their family and friends. And part of that success, of course, is, you know, everybody getting along and working for one cause and not their own selfish reasons. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it's good. It's well and good to have the clause. And I, I agree. I think we should all have the clause in there, but I don't, I want to play a con, you know, a little bit uh, contrarian here is I don't think it would have helped whether or not you had that clause in there because the client obviously didn't inform the DJ, like the client isn't going to mm -hmm. go read this clause and then go call up all their vendors and say, Oh, by the way, you know, they're not going to do that. So the clause, the clause was useless in this, in my opinion, in this particular situation. Yes, you could go right, refer back if, to it and use if, it. But if the photographer sat down with the couple before and they were aware of this clause and they signed it, again, I'll put myself in the position. I could walk up to, you know, my couple and be like, Hey, you know, I, I noticed a DJ taking a ton of photos and you know, per the clause in the contract, I mean, I don't mind if he takes one or two to, you know, show, but there's no reason like while I'm doing family portraits right now that he needs to be taking mm -hmm. photos of almost everything that we're doing and, you know, shooting pictures during the ceremony, you know, that's my job. And, yeah. you know, if that happens, you know, I'm going to, I, you know, and so generally the mom or the couple or somebody will put a stop to it. Again, it's just handling it tactfully. Yeah. And I think almost going through somebody else other than the bride and groom, like a, a mom, or if they're working with a day of coordinator or somebody of, of that nature, if you right. can involve them, it's Make better, somebody you're, else the bad you're guy. better to do that than try to add that stress to the, mm -hmm. to the bride and groom. Right. I, and a I, lot of the times you have to remember the parents are a good source because they are the ones paying you. True. Yeah. They are absolutely. the ones that signed the contract. Yeah. So, I mean, I think obviously we all agree. I think with this particular DJ, he's obviously way overstepped his bounds. Like, I think we're all fine with, you know, again, I've seen it too, where DJs will share a few snaps from behind their photo booth, you know, from behind their, um, their DJ setup, right, of the dance and whatnot. And again, we get it. It's they want to promote their business. And if they want to get it out on social media right away, that's, you know, I have no problems with that. But in this particular case, obviously, this guy was photographing during like cocktail hour, which, you know, in one of the articles we'll link to um, one of the one of the comments was it really kind of can ruin the organic experience of the event because this guy was going around getting people to pose for a lot of couples photos and stuff like that. Well, now suddenly I come along as the main photographer to capture those kinds of things. And the couples, at, you know, at that point might just be a little bit, it's like, oh, really? Like another, like somebody else is coming around to take our right. photograph. And it just, it kind of ruins that organicness of the event as well. Um, but I, to your um, point there earlier, Robert, about the photographer coming in, leaving their gear all over the place, maybe they're not professionally dressed. My problem, and, and Brian, you said you would sort of encourage them a bit. I, I would try to cut it off because they're going to, they're going to be associated with you, whether you like it or not. People right, well, see them I was just thinking that when you were yeah. saying the photographers walking around snapping pictures, what if they said something inappropriate to a guest and the guest has no idea that he's not with me. And then later like ask the parents just sort of on the slide, like, Oh, who is your photographer? 
Yeah. And then, you know, and then they're like, okay, well, let's check him off our list because our daughter is getting, you know, I mean, there's things like that that happen. Okay. So, I, I guess just for clarification, I get my, my reasoning behind offering to have a friendly relationship with this hired photographer or this interim photographer as opposed to battling them is less in the sense that I actually want them to genuinely keep doing it, but more so in the sense that if the DJ or the owner or whoever it is that I'm talking with that I know and I have a relationship with, if they see that I'm approaching this from a genuine, honest, open, positive intent, then they're going to be more likely to take my advice when I say, hey, you know, I I think he's kind of gotten enough for your website. Do you mind if you put the camera away? Whereas if I kind of start with guns a blazing and pitchforks out, they're going to be open to that kind of conversation um, yeah, no, definitely less agreed. open like, to that, I guess. Right. You gotta, you've got to start soft, but right. So, yeah. so I guess that's where it was. And, and actually in that particular situation, it did happen that way because, because I started the conversation with the DJ that I knew and he refers me all the time. I had to make sure that I protect that relationship. But at the same time, I wanted that photographer to not overstep his bounds. And so by starting on a positive route where it's like, Oh, that's, that's cool. You're shooting with this camera. That's nice. Like let's, let's like, you know, chat a little bit. Let me just like at least establish some kind of rapport here so that you understand that I am not coming at you as a jerk right now. I'm trying to come at you as a friend. Right. And so when I, when I came at it that way and then after, you know, a little bit, he got a couple quick little entrance photos. He did it from his booth, but because he had a relationship with me at that point, because he knew that I was open to being nice about it, he respected my bounds. And then when I said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll definitely send you some photos. So I think, I think you guys are good. They respected that and they, right. and they honored that for me. So I think that situation would have been totally different if I went up to the DJ at the beginning and said, do you realize that with my contract, I blah, blah. And I, and I, I if I approached it aggressively or negatively or with pitchforks right away, it would yeah. have been treated totally different. Right. So you got to kill them, kill them with kindness out of the exactly. gate. You're going to, you know, exactly. attract more bees with honey or yeah. whatever the saying, exactly. I don't know what the sayings are. <laughs> Something grandma used to say. But, right. But yeah, no, I agree. I think, yeah, you want to, you know, approach it in a friend. Cause as soon as you go in with guns ablazing, people are going to get their guards oh, up. They're going to get their defense up. And exactly. then they're probably going to do more of what you don't want them to do. Mm-hmm. Just, just to be, a, you know, because you're being a jerk, they're going right. to, you know, throw it back and they become a jerk and then it just, you know, it all spirals out of control. So, I mean, I think in this particular situation, I don't, I don't think either party really comes out looking, looking great in this situation. Like Mm -hmm. if I was researching wedding photographers or I was researching DJs and I came upon this story as a, as a prospective client, I'd be like, I'm going to stay clear of both of these companies because obviously they just create drama and I don't need any more drama on my wedding day with my vendors. Right. So I think, you know, in, in this situation, they both come out looking bad right you said there's no such thing as you know as bad pr but i i would i would uh, disagree i think there is such a thing as bad pr um so yeah i mean obviously this is a bit of a this is probably a bit of an extreme case but it, it, i mean it's just it shows you what can happen at a at a wedding right these are some things that you know potentially you know potentially could happen um i'll show you guys if you guys want i'll quickly show my uh, i'll show my screen here was a wedding that i shot a couple of weekends ago it was an egyptian um coptic wedding and here's this is one of the priests. <laughs> no way. This is one of the priests. No yeah. way. Yeah. Or, Send or that to Gary. Of the, this is a, he's like a member of the um, you know the the congregation the or what have you. Yeah. You know yeah. part of that. So yeah. So and I've I've shot weddings there before, and this is just what this guy does. He's out and he gets like one or two photos, and then he sits back down, and everything's fine. Oh, whatever. But, That's yeah. So he, it's but I thought it was kind of funny that here he is, and even the the actual like priest priest did like a selfie with his cell phone before. <laughs> 
doing this ourselves. <laughs> That's so cool. We've seen I, it all I, I have some I have some thoughts that I think like if we if we maybe even step away from the actual news story itself and then look at the idea that you know Robert started on earlier and, and I wholeheartedly agree with the idea that um there, what was his name? Larry Wingett. He he uh <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if anyone's ever heard of Larry Wingett, but if you no. haven't, um He's awesome. And he, he is self-admittedly, he calls himself, what does he call it? Um, an irritational speaker. He doesn't call himself an inspirational speaker. He calls himself, I think he calls himself like an irritational speaker. He, he, he likes controversy and he's very, very abrasive in his teaching. But I think one of the biggest points that I learned from him 10 years ago was this one line. And he says, your results are your own damn fault. And it really, he has a whole audiobook actually just on that topic. And it really comes down to if you, if you have like what he says is if you have a crappy marriage, it's because you're a crappy husband. If you have, a, if you have, you know, kids that aren't doing well, it's because you're a crappy parent. If you have and it basically, he, and it's very controversial. I'm not going to say that I wholeheartedly agree with everything, but in general, I really do think in situations like this, I think that we can do a lot as photographers, as professionals to avoid these kinds of things. And we've sort of talked about a few of the ideas already um, in setting expectations a little bit better with your clients. And we've talked about that at length in a previous episode. Um, I think having relationships and approaching it with a more positive attitude is is a really great way to um, to have this not go south on you. But one thing that I've done for many, many years, as long as I can remember as a photographer, um, is before every wedding... I will collect from the bride and groom who their vendors are for the wedding. So I want to know who is the florist, who's the DJ, who's the venue, who's the decorator, who's all these things. And I'll reach out to them ahead of time. A, if I don't have a relationship with them, that's a great introduction for me to them to say, hey, we're working together this coming Saturday. I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, photographing, blah, blah, blah. I'm totally happy to share any images with you afterwards it will typically be within two weeks of the wedding. And I'll say something very specific like that because it then sets the expectation, hey, you don't need to have somebody come out <laughs> to photograph these mm -hmm. things because I'm obviously a proactive photographer and I'm going to be, you know, photographing for you as well on the wedding day. So I'll do things like that. Um, and I think if that had happened in this situation, I don't think this would have happened. And I think being proactive like that can really steer you clear of 90% of those kinds of situations. If the florist knows that you're open, that you have a good relationship, that you're nice, that you're friendly, and that you're happy to share images, if they believe you because now you've been proactive about it and you've given them some timelines, and you've also now established a relationship with them, they're not likely to show up on the wedding day with their own photographer to take pictures because then they'll feel like, they're kind of betraying you when you've gone out of your way to be proactive to help them. So I think that kind of idea, that kind of experience for the other vendors that you're working with on a wedding day can be a really great way to avoid those kinds of negative situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. Yeah, take that proactive approach, reach out to those vendors, mm -hmm. you know, let them know that you're going to be there, you're going to be taking those details. Um, you know, for sure. I think that's a great approach. Robert, you must um, encounter, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, obviously we have a, a contract with our clients and, and they maybe are sensitive to their images being shared online. Right. And that's something right. they might discuss with us as photographers because they know we're creating, you know, we're capturing those images. But maybe they don't think that somebody like the DJ or somebody else is maybe also going to be photographing 
you know, those details and then sharing them. Well, maybe they don't want them shared. Like in the case of like Robert, when you shoot some of the celebrity weddings and things that you shoot, um, you know, it might be a case where they've got some confidentiality. They don't want that stuff going out. And now the DJ has kind of gone and overstepped those bounds. And now it, could that come back at, at you potentially? Like they could say, well, where did these photos come from? Like, uh, yes. Well, generally, and it actually has, and I'll give you the example. Um, but in a situation like that, most everyone signed confidentiality agreements and understand the ramifications of doing something like that. But of course, in today's world, everybody has a cell phone with a camera in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, anybody could do that. Generally, a celebrity guest is not going to do that. Um, but when I, um, photographed Trent Reznor's wedding several years ago. Um, There was only one other person kind of running around with a camera, and that happened to be the bride's dad, I believe. Well, I know he was. And there was an image that showed up on a blog. Um, I was shooting portraits of them on the stairs in their home, and he was just behind me, or whoever took this picture was just behind me, you know, kind of shooting the same thing. So when the image showed up on the blog, the planner freaked out and called me right away because the client was freaking out. And I could tell by the angle, I was, I confidently was like, that's not my photograph. Yeah. I said, you do the research. I said, I will stand behind it. I said, that is not my photograph and I wouldn't do that. And ultimately it it came out that they were right. It wasn't my photograph. So I don't know how the blog got a hold of it or any of that, but it was not my image. And, you know, so that stuff can happen. But at a celebrity wedding, you know, I think generally a lot of them now they'll take people's phones like they have to check them at the door and they get them back at the end of the night. I mean, especially big ones, they don't take any risks with any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There was a case just like last week. Did you hear about the the guy from Devo that had a a 9-11 themed wedding? Uh-uh. Oh my gosh. So apparently, apparently a friend planned their wedding for them. So they didn't know anything about this. And it was a small wedding, like 26 people, private, kind of a private affair. And they show up and they had cakes um, that were done like the Twin Towers. And all the guests, they had wedding favors. You'll never guess what the wedding favor was. <laughs> Box cutters with their names on them. So, but what? somebody, somebody, a guest took some photos and then, and then sold them to TMZ. Ugh. And then it. It blew up. But I mean, aside from the fact that it's really very distasteful to have a 9-11 themed wedding, that was a case where, you know, a guest shared some private photos from this event and sold them to like TMZ. And then that, you know, it blew up. And Yeah. Yeah. And even in that same, in Trent Reznor's same wedding, one of his band members tweeted a photo of their first dance. It was very horrible, but I mean, obviously enough that you could see what it was. Um, so that was actually the first thing and the first way anybody found out about the wedding happening, you know, so even someone in his own band, I mean, people just don't use common sense when it, when it comes to stuff like that. Um, going back to, um, Brian wrapping up this topic in a sweet bow. Um, I want to just give you also a little tip along what Brian was saying, you know, he contacts them before and within, uh, a couple of weeks, you know, tries to get them images. I kind of have the same process. And so I'm going to give you photographers some food for thought. Um, You know, we are in a world now where, you know, people want this stuff instantaneously um, and it it makes it challenging. But after you shoot a wedding, generally we all come back and download our cards and everything right away because we want to make sure that it's all there. Why couldn't you take your, you know, 10 minutes, go through all your images, just pull out, you know, 
15 to 100 images that support all the vendors, process just those 100 pictures quickly, throw them up in a gallery and send out a link and say, hey, you guys, you know, here's some images from the event. It's nice working with everyone. You can download these. You can use them to blog. Just make sure you give, you know, our studio credit for it. It's just one way, you know, that we can sort of combat, you know, you know, if everybody did this, then, you know, chances are florists and other people who are bringing photographers to cover, you know, get images for their marketing and social media wouldn't be doing this. I realize it's hard to get some of that stuff done overnight, maybe. Um, but if you do have a great relationship with a particular florist or caterer location, uh, you know, maybe you have that conversation like Brian does actually at the job and say, hey, would you guys be interested if I got you a couple pictures tomorrow so you could use them for social media? And, uh, and chances are they're going to say yes. So however you want to handle that, I'm just giving you a little thought, spin it in your own business the way you want to do it. But uh, that will win you some uh, big kudos with some of your vendors. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That's a excellent way to wrap it up. Brainless Brian, or if you got any other last minute I, thoughts on the topic, I completely agree. Excellent. Good stuff. Well, if you want to learn more about the the story itself and follow along with Wedding Photogate, uh, just follow the links in the uh, blog post that we'll post for this episode. All right, let's move on then to our next segment, which is our listener question. Uh, each week, we'll choose a listener question to answer on the show. Uh, this week, we've got a question uh, from Greg Nelson. He emailed us at twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com. And Greg asked, uh, he said, in your second shooter show, you talked about someone shooting details. Perhaps you could explain the components of a wedding to the listeners. How to shoot details? Well, I think he's just wondering, like, what, when we say shooting details, what do we mean by that? Like, what are some of the details or some of the components of a wedding that we would be looking to typically photograph? Oh, I think that might have been in response to, because when I was talking about second shooters, my, my wife is who comes with me. And I said, like, all that she does as a second shooter is to shoot the details. Yeah. So, I wonder if that might be in response to that. That might be what, yeah, that might be what okay. I was asking. So Awesome. So, for me, um, he, here's the concept all my couples get a beautiful wedding album and that's always something that I shoot for. And so my concept behind having a second shooter that's there just to photograph details is in the main parts of the wedding day, which for me, I consider bride prep, groom prep, ceremony, portraits, reception, I guess cocktails, reception. Those are like the main six components. When I'm designing a wedding album, I want to set the scene for each of those. So I don't want to just go into the portraits or the photos or the candids for each of those um, events or those six main things. So in setting the scene for each one of those, I like to have details of what was happening during that point in time, more as a scene setting thing, as opposed to the actual moments, the people and the actual things that were happening. Um, it's kind of like, and it's one of these things that as soon as you are made aware of this, you'll see it on TV shows, you'll see it in movies, you'll see it all over the place. They like every movie always starts out whenever they change scenes. Let's say that you're watching million dollar listings, New York, right? When before they go and you know, go in to follow the one real estate agent, they'll show a photo of like where that real estate agent is. Like they'll show that they're on wall street. They'll show a, a picture of like a car moving fast or a door opening, or they'll do some things to kind of set the scene to say, here's where we are. Now let's go into the people. 
and movies do this, TV shows do this, they all do it. Yeah, it's like B roll, right? They yeah, it's kind of like the B roll, right? Yeah, it kind of just like it, it establishes a sense of place. And so I do that with my wedding photography in a wedding album. So I'll always want to establish a sense of place when I'm transitioning from those events, from bride prep to groom prep to ceremony to portraits, etc. So my sort of rule or my instruction to my wife, who is my second shooter that does details, is whenever we go to each of like whenever we transition space i want you to look around and photograph details of whatever's happening at that point in time if the ceremony is happening outside in the vineyard then go and get a whole bunch of detail photos and some overall photos of the details of what's happening there the 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 vines the grapes the decorations the chairs the covers like all these little things photograph those so that when i design the wedding album as i transition into that part of the day I have this nice one page sort of scene setter that establishes a sense of place. And so that's what my second shooter does during the day is whenever we transition from one place to the next, she's getting those scene setter type images. Cool. That, that makes sense. Very good. Um, Robert, do you approach details in a similar fashion? Is that how you kind of, I I will do uh, what Brian does a little bit like that too. I tend to do that more uh, on destination weddings, you know, shooting kind of, you know, shots that I would shoot normally anyway, uh, whether it be landscape or fine art type stuff. And I'll use those in my book. Um, but if the listener was talking about details, as far as event details, it's kind of an elaboration of my last comment, but, um, I'm always looking to shoot details to support the other vendors there as well. So the images that could get put into those galleries that I was just talking about, like, you know, you have to think about everyone who's there and you're not going to hit everyone, obviously, but uh, hair and makeup, that's usually an easy one, Uh, you know, get some sort of, yes, you're shooting that, you know, to record the bride getting ready, but think about something that might be cool for the makeup artist to use or the hair person uh, on their site, like, a, you know, think from from their mind, you know, of course, florals very easy because it's all the decor and the bridesmaids flowers and the boutonnieres and all those things. Location, you might want to take some location shots uh, of the venue. Uh, cake is another one. Lighting is another one. You know, think about all those things like how can you support those vendors? The planner, you know, a lot of times the planner, I'll try to get the planner interacting uh, with the bride, you know, smiling, obviously not stressed out. Um, yep. <laughs> always, always getting, you know, a good moment is uh, sometimes when she's helping the bride down the aisle in those moments, it's like a very good, you know, or, or dealing with little children and, you know, things like that. So think, put yourself in each of the vendors positions and think, how could I take an image that, that I would want if I were the planner, or if I were the location or if I, you know, that would help me on my site. And then, you know, maybe you, you pick a couple of those, you know, that night or the next day and process them quickly and get them out to those people. Um, and if you do what Brian said and you make the phone call ahead of time, get their emails, addresses, you know, you might coordinate with the planner and say, hey, can I get the other vendor's names? Or you get it from the couple. And right away you can do that. And you're being proactive. You're taking uh you know, the matters into your own hands and you're going to make a lot of people happy and you're going to get a lot of referrals from doing it. Awesome. Good suggestions, guys. So hopefully that answers uh, Greg's question. If you have a question uh, that you'd like answered on the show, just uh, head on over to the website. You can leave a question there or you can email us uh, at twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com or send out a tweet. Use the hashtag twipwed and we'll keep our eye out for those as well. 
So before we uh, close off, we want to share our picks of the week. Uh, each episode, we'll share a photography-related item that we think would benefit wedding photographers. Our picks can be anything as long as they are somehow related to photography or the business of photography. So I'm going to, uh, Brian, I'm going to throw it to you first. What have you got for us this week? What's your pick? Cool. Um, my pick this week is a book that I'm currently reading okay. that I am very much enjoying. I think photographers, I think in general, we need to read and educate and enlighten ourselves and inspire our minds um, with things that are sometimes outside of our industry. And I think that they can inform and help us in other areas of our life that then therefore help us as photographers and entrepreneurs. Wait, so is it the 50 book, Shades of Grey? It is not 50 it's Shades not of Grey. Okay. <laughs> um, 50 the book, Shades of Grey scale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the book in specific is called Better Than Before, Mastering the Habits of Our Everyday Lives by a great author. Her name is Gretchen Rubin. Um, the gist of the book is it's, it's all about how to create and form better habits and routines for your life, for your business, for your personal life. However, it is that you want to adapt it and uh, and use it. Cool. And I think it's something that uh, if we can, it's one of those things. How can you be the master of your business? How can you be, you know be successful and sustainable? And how can you show up to be the best person for your clients if you aren't the best version of yourself for yourself? And if you don't have control of your own life. And so I think that um, you know mastering your habits and having a good routine and good habits and and being the best version of yourself is the first step in being a successful business person. And so this book uh, is really just chock full of uh, actionable ideas and, and really, you know, concrete research in the psychology behind um, having better habits and being a better person. So hmm. that would be my pick of the week. Excellent. How do you consume books? Are you a audiobook person or you do you like the old, you know, paper book or you on, a P, on a PDF kind of flipping through on my your iPad? My favorite way to read books is to listen to the audiobook and read the physical book at the same time. Oh. So it's, uh, I like it because if I had to choose one, I would go physical book because I actually sit with a highlighter and actually highlight phrases from the book. And, you know, I think I love audiobooks. I love listening to podcasts. Obviously here we are on a podcast, so I'm a huge proponent of it. Um, but the problem with reading audiobooks is there's a lack of, uh, of remembering. There's a lack of mm. being able to actually take action on things. For me, um, a book isn't just something that I consume for entertainment. It's something that I want to consume so that I can grow from it. I can learn something from it. And so when I read a book, I highlight things. And then my process afterwards is to spend some time going back to those things I highlighted. And then I actually make notes from a book. And then I take my notes and make a summary version of that, a one pager. So I actually go through and take the things that I really wanted to learn from a book, usually three or four times. And in that process, I'm absorbing them and making them a part of my, my daily life. So I think with an audiobook, you can't really do that as well. And so sometimes I like audiobooks for passive education when I'm driving, that kind of thing. But if it's a book that I really you know enjoy in audio form and then I want to take something from it, I'll get the physical book and then do that process I just described. Hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. Mr. Evans, what have you got for us this week? Well, it's a little known fact that um, most of the time before these shows, we're going to let you in and listen. All of us panic and go, oh, what's our pick of the week? (laughs) 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 So I was the same way today. But, you know, something organically naturally came to me through – you know, what we talked about, and it's very apropos to the to the content today. And I have talked about this before. So my pick of the week is an app. It's called Snapshots. Um, I've talked about this is a company that I've been consulting 
for and helping them develop this product. But basically, it's an app when they first approached me uh, where the photographer and the guests can upload pictures to the app in real time. Um, so when I first heard that, I was like, well, I don't want my guests in an application where my pictures are, but they do a very good job of uh, showing who the professional is and who the guests are. Uh, the guests can then go in and buy the photographer's pictures and not the uh, guest snaps, uh, as well as I've helped them and they're developing, uh, there's a cloud storage system with Pictage kind of departing from us. They're kind of being in that space as well. Um, but one of the things that I, I really want them in there developing right now is sort of the uh, marketing part of that, which is what I've just talked about today. So where we can actually support our vendors. You can tag images. The vendors right away would get stuff. You know, you can send a few images up to the app right away. But it gives you access to more guests, more people seeing your things. Um, they're doing really big things. They have some big backers. They put some good money behind it. You're going to see some big things from them at WPPI coming up here uh, in the spring. Uh, so check it out. It's it's snapshots.com or the app is just called Snapshots. But uh, I think it's uh, going to be revolutionary. Yeah, cool. I think we first kind of heard about them last year at WPPI. It was kind yep. of their first entrance onto the scene. So yeah, awesome. Maybe, uh, maybe we can have them on in a future episode to talk yeah, more definitely. about it. Yeah, that'd be cool. Excellent. Great picks. That's snapshots. Well, my pick this week is also happens to be an app. Um, and it's just, it's actually, you know, it's, it's, it's a really good, um, camera app for your, uh, for your iPhone. Uh, it's been around for many, many years. So, uh, Lisa Betney developed this. It's called Camera Plus. Um, and they've now uh, released a free version of Camera Plus. So if you're looking for a great um, photo app for your for your iPhone, Camera Plus is fantastic. Um, if there's a free version available now, and then you can put it on your brand new 6XS or 6S Plus or giant iPad Pro or what have you. <laughs> but great camera app if you're looking for a really good camera app. And it's now free. So free is always good. Cool. Excellent. All right. Well, that uh, that brings us to the end of another episode of Twip Weddings. Uh, once again, we want to thank our sponsors for their support. And we want to remind you, our lovely audience, to send in your questions and comments. Uh, share your thoughts uh, on the show with us. And uh, yeah, just follow us online. So before we wrap up, uh, what's everybody up to and where can our audience go to keep up with you guys? Go ahead, Brian. Uh, you can find me on sproutingphotographer.com. Um, on social media is at bcap photo b-c-a-p-p-h-o-t-o if you like podcasts which you do because you're listening to a podcast i also have a podcast that i host all about the business of photography and you can find that at sproutingphotographer.com or you can just search for sprouting photographer on itunes awesome and brian made it all the way to the end of a show this week ah what a surprise (laughs) (laughs) that's good all right mr evans what do you got coming up and uh uh, I'm going to be, I think I mentioned last week, uh, depends on how quick we are this show, but I'm excited to shoot, uh, Google zeitgeist again this year. Mm-hmm. It's coming up in October and right on the heels of that, I'm flying right to New York to, uh, speak in the Sony booth at photo plus. So any of you that are, uh, going to be in New York, come by and say hello. But if you want to find me, uh, I'm at Robert Evans, on Twitter and on Instagram. Robert Evans 101 is my Facebook, Robert Evans Studios, Facebook business page, uh, and robertevans.com is my website. 
Excellent. And as always, we will link to all those things in the uh, blog post for this episode. And uh, if you're looking for me, uh, you can find me over at my website, which is momentsindigital.com. And I'm on most of the usual social networks, just uh, at Bruce Clark. You'll find me Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those places. I'll look for me on there. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward. I've got uh, Corwin Hebert coming into town this uh, this weekend, and we're going to be doing a business action planner boot camp. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So for photographers, so that's going to be really, uh, really good. We've actually got an episode coming up, um, our next episode that's going to that's gonna publish, actually. We recorded a while ago with Corwin uh, and on the topic of business action planning. So that's kind of coming up. So that's cool. what I've got on the go this weekend. And then, yeah, so good stuff. Well, thanks uh, again, guys. Another great show. And a uh, reminder to our audience, just visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com for our show and lots of other great shows as part of the network. And thanks again for listening to Twip Weddings, raising the bar one wedding at a time. <laughs>